Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi. Hi, Jim. How's it going? <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Donnie kind of sent me a message yesterday. He's like, you want to be a part of this? Like, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Let's so Jennifer Johnson is my guest. Thank you to the Facebook Live people for tuning in. And as you come in, we'll watch for any questions here. Excuse me. And then uh, later we'll upload to the YouTube channel and the podcast will be up weeks from now. <laughs> uh, it takes me a couple of days to strip the audio off and we'll get it up on all the uh, Stitcher and iTunes and all kinds of stuff like that. So just check the Jim Fannin Show page. It'll be up there. So Jennifer Johnson is my guest, as appears in the Facebook Live title. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, I guess, the, like I said, the first thing for us to do is just tell Jonathan's story so everyone knows. But I mean, many of the people listening today are going to be listening as supporters, but many of them also are going to be people that have never met you before, never met Jonathan, don't. Right really know the story and and probably are just only hearing uh about this opioid crisis for for the first time because it's just i mean it's only just recently over the last couple of years if i guess we could say recently right, right starting to maybe gain traction or awareness or starting to make the media and this fentanyl thing i mean that's getting a lot of press but you know we and we can talk about that in detail. So, right, yeah, maybe just take your time. Um, okay. <laughs> I know you you like to talk, so do I. So we okay. can compete for the microphone. But no, I, I'm not going to cut you off. So just take your time. Tell us, you know, His about story. Jonathan's story. Okay. And uh, uh, well, Jonathan, right from a young age, he knew he wanted to be a chef. Like he was, he was driven. Like he knew that he was going to be a chef, and uh, you know, he wanted to do it in the biggest way possible. He he was 10 years old and asking for ramekins so he could make creme brulee. That's what he asked for for Christmas. <laughs> wow. Yeah, like he, he knew that's what he wanted to do. And, um, you know, he he uh, he worked, at, he got his co-op in, in high school where he worked uh, with Mike Gretzinger. This is pretty well his what mentor. Um, Dennis Morris High School. Mm-hmm. And um, he uh, went to college, Toronto, I I try, you know, he was my firstborn of five, so I, I've so tried to. your favorite. I said, maybe you should just go to Niagara <laughs> College. No, Mom, I've got to go to Toronto. That's where it's at. That's where I'm going. So off he went. He was 18, and um, and he went to uh, to George Brown, and um, got he finished his course, and he just got, you know, chef jobs, and he was doing really well, or so we thought, but... Um, you know, I guess they meet people and uh, nefarious people, whatever. You know, I, well, it's just youth. I, mean, I that, know that part we've of the all brain, been there, right? Yeah, so that part um, of the brain hasn't developed yet. They don't so really get he, impact. Uh, he, in from our viewpoint, he was he was doing just fine. He kept getting mm. better jobs, doing very well. He um, he was making good money. He always had, you know. His nickname, one of his nicknames was JJ Cashflow because he would always have money on him and, and whatnot. He played played poker. He'd go to Montreal, 
and um, oh, that's a good story too. Is he went one time? He went to with a, a buddy to play poker in Montreal, and they won a tournament. And they, you know, between the two of them, they won over eight thousand dollars. So he called, and I guess it must have been in November before Christmas, and and he called and he was bragging about all this money he won. And I was like, you know what, Jonathan, shut up. I don't want to hear about it. I'm struggling to do Christmas for you kids, you know, with five kids. It's a struggle. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Mom. And then he calls me an hour later and he says, Mom, check your email. And he sent me $1,000 to help me. That's the kind of kid he was. He was just kind and, you know, loving. He loved his siblings. And and uh, um, anyways, he, he, uh, he called me and... He lost a job and it and he'd gone well he'd gone missing for a couple of days and his girlfriend told me that he was down here in Niagara and I'm like and it, I think it was Mother's Day um, before he passed and and I'm like oh well he's down here in Niagara and he didn't come visit me and it's Mother's Day weekend hmm. so that was a red flag for me and then um, I guess he showed up in a cab and she said oh I called your mom and he so he called me and and he. He was crying and that was you know that was strange because and he said mom I have a, a really bad problem with drugs and he told me he was addicted to heroin and um, I was shocked I was concerned um, worried but um, he's he almost right away got this really good job at origin restaurant with uh, Claudio Prilly and um, he said he was going to get himself clean. And, and you know, I, from my viewpoint back then, I, I was ignorant. I didn't know a lot about it. I, I was like, oh, you, you know what, Jonathan, you're an exception. Everything you've set your sights on, you've done, you can do this. And, you know, he, and I just thought he, because he said, oh, he got that job. He couldn't go to rehab. He um he didn't want to do methadone because the, the a chef is it's a lot of hours and it would have you know he said I won't I wouldn't be able to function properly, so he goes I'm just gonna wean myself off. Hmm. Well, we know how that went because um in uh, on April twenty second, his girlfriend called and said Jonathan missed two shifts at work, and. Uh, his dad went right up to Toronto because we were, you know, very concerned. And they um, couldn't get into his apartment, so he called the police and he reported him missing. So five hours later, the police showed up in the early morning of uh, the 22nd and told him that they had a John Doe in the morgue that had a health card that said Jonathan had his name Jonathan Johnston on it. How's he a John Doe then? Well, that's that's what, you know, I, I questioned the police on it. And, and um, he said, oh, well, this happens so often. And we just, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> if it had been a car accident, I'm sure they would have called us. But anyways, the, what had happened was, I guess, um, at 3.23 a.m., a passerby saw him at the corner um there was a burger place it was at the time my resto burgers i think it was called at the corner of king and young and there was a little alcove there with a granite bench and flower wooden flower boxes and he was on the ground um, face down and um 
police and, and ambulance came and fire truck and that. And um, at that time, it was, you know, 2016, April 2016, they didn't have naloxone kits. So um, he was not, they were not able to bring him back. And that's, is the Nox, is naloxone. That the, is that the uh, adrenaline? Is that the, what brings you back when you're overdosing? It just, it's like I got the, one. Oh. I think Something everyone should in, have uh, one. Um, kill you can Bill, save a that, life. Or is that what he jams? Or is that kill? Well, there's there's no, no. two kinds. There's some. Um, I can't remember that movie yeah. when he when they jam that thing. Remember oh, that? like an EpiPen? For, I don't know. They jammed it through the rib cage right into the heart. And oh, bang. I, don't I thought know it was what... an adrenaline, but it's, maybe that's what. Yeah, it's it's a nasal. This one's a nasal oh, okay. spray, so All it right. um, you know, it it does it'll. And. Um, so not that that I, I understand that wouldn't have helped him anyhow, that kit. I think it would have. Oh, I they were there. They were there really fast because the police got there at eight thirty, and the ambulance was already working on him. Oh. I mean, it's you know it's down it's right in the heart of downtown, so they got there fast, and mm. I think it it could have. But I I mean they obviously paramedics in Toronto have it now. That's mm. it's out of control. And um, and he wasn't even using needles. He was just, um, you know, using foil, burning it on, a f smoking it on foil with a straw, whatnot. But um, it's awful, you know. Hmm. I can't even imagine. But uh, I mean, my, that was my mother's greatest fear. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Was that she'd have and to then second to that horrific thing was I had to tell the other four. You know, they just wow. idolized him. Mm. He was the, you know, we we were all so proud of him. And yeah, I guess it. I, I can't. I can't imagine the feelings you must go through and the and the and the questions you must be second. You're guessing yourself on, but I mean, yeah. I mean, and I go through yeah. the, a little bit of it, you know, with the younger people in my life too, that are struggling. And I think, you know, just the other day I was saying, you know, what happens if. Like, uh, can I, would I ever be able to forgive myself for not being, not doing more or whatever? But like at if some I, point, what I, could you what do? I you can't say, follow them around what all day. I, what I say all the time to myself is if I only knew then what I know now, because you know, you, there's not a mother, <laughs> a mother mm. regarding her kids becomes like Sherlock Holmes, right? Yeah, so afterwards I, I found yeah, out and all I, kinds of things. I guess that, that's your hindsight, the 2020 part of it. But, that's right. But really, it doesn't matter what you cannot, you can't keep them safe. You can't keep them away from certain people. You can't follow them around all day. And even if you could, I mean, they're grown up at that I age. Know. They're adults, I even know. though they're not, you know, and it kind of. You'd love to keep them in a padded room, but it's yeah, you know, it's just not, not practical, feasible. and uh, they don't really have until, from what I understand, that part of the brain that that deals with consequences and impacts on themselves and other people isn't just fully developed till twenty five years old. He so was they don't, always an adrenaline junkie. They feel they feel invincible. Uh, invincible, like you, they can't be touched, and so. Um, you know, you know, I, I get the second guessing and stuff like that, but there, it's just the age, and, and it doesn't matter how they've been brought up. You know, how you know? I mean, obviously, yeah. if you bring them up badly, they're more prone to that. But good kids go bad all the time, and so, um, you know, I can't even imagine 
you know, like I said, it was my mother's greatest fear, uh, burying. And she always used to say, it's not like when we went to funerals for kids. She used to say, it's, it's not right. It shouldn't, shouldn't happen. It's, like that, uh, right? it's quite a journey, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. you um, so fast forward. You grow that's only, in many ways. Yeah. And then yesterday was his birthday. Today it was. He would got, have been 27. Right. And today you got a day where you spend with. Well, Christine's coming and his, um, my mom and my sister and. I think Sarah has to work. That's my older daughter. And yeah, we'll get Chinese food and we'll watch home videos, sappy home videos, <laughs> and cry and laugh. And it's cathartic, you know. It's healing. Just you don't you don't celebrate, but you honor. On those. Can you days. go into the healing process a little bit? What you've learned and what maybe you can give to? I know there's other parents out there that are dealing with the same. You've connected with some. Many yes. haven't. Many that are going to be listening to I this. I know. I'd be... like to reach out to them, like come to us, because um, until I found a common ground with some other mothers, I didn't really, really start to heal. I went to a, a grief group. Yeah. And I'm I'm guessing that was the winter. So he he died April twentieth. So sometime in the winter maybe it was october november fall i um i sought out a grief group because i was struggling i was like you know inconsolable and um that was really good it was such a beautiful group of ladies and um the first night everyone you do the round table and everybody tells their story and there was seven moms of those seven three were a drug death. Where's the uh, local grief group? It was um, bereaved families of Ontario, and we met at um, in Font Hill. Okay, so local once group. Once a week, and yeah. the day you were there, there were seven other moms. Well, it's it's the same group that meets. So okay. you know, you go on for I think I think it's for eight or twelve weeks, twelve weeks right. maybe, and um, yeah, the same group. So that's that was enlightening to me because then I realized, sheesh, that's um. That's quite a staggering statistic. Oh, right. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And um, so then <coughs> after that, um, we I, I was on uh, GRASP on Facebook, and that's um, grief recovery after substance passing. Mm. And uh, once you start connecting with, with – um, local people you know we get together and all that and um we just realize like our stories are powerful and Mm. we can actually help we can help bring a a faces and voices that are needed for people to be aware Mm. so out of that um (coughs) sorry frog in my throat (coughs) it's okay uh the grief recovery program now that leads to what you're doing now i mean the grief never ends and and i think a lot of i think many people that are suffering the grief just don't take the classes i I wish i had it even when my mother died you know yeah Um, it is because i'm not sure that you know if it's been repressed well you don't you know you don't get over it you have to wallow through it you have to dig deep and and tear out your guts and just you know and embrace it or else it'll eat you alive Mm. So you, it has to become a part of you. You have to, I'm not going to say accept because I'll never accept it as, right. you know, but um, you just have to learn that this is now a part of your reality. And so what else, 
what else helped you with that process do you think other than the group um i mean or you know coming from the group i mean coming from the group as names came from the group did, did it not yeah uh we were looking for something to call ourselves uh, you know we were we we started um in msth which started out west because you know they're ahead of us they they oh, okay. we we need to look to them to what they're doing now msth stands for um mom stop the harm okay so um and even though it says moms and, and it's it's you know it's family members it's not mm -hmm. exclusive to moms right. so okay. um i thought i was we were racking our brains brainstorming trying to think of of a name for us <laughs> and i and you want it to be something that's kind of catchy like so and i thought okay names niagara area mums ending stigma and because uh, really that's the the one barrier for for these people for getting help is stigma jonathan was so ashamed like and and i I bought into that, you know, I, I was like, okay, when he told me, I'm like, I go, oh, well, we're not going to tell anyone. Like I didn't tell his brothers, sisters, they were totally, you know, flabbergasted. Right. And you think, got it. They, think they that, had no idea. You think that was a mistake? It was. To tell, not telling the kids even? Like, you well, think you would have, if you had to, going through it again, you would have sat the kids down and go, I, Jonathan's I definitely really struggling right now. Because yeah? we could have, you know, we could have dealt with it instead of. And they might have the access car. to access yeah, to him were, in a way that you don't. They obviously have communication with him that he would would have felt come, but you know he went with that, and because right, right. he was so ashamed, you know he mm. he was very proud, and and he just thought he could beat this on his own. Hmm. Amazing. Um. So, did the is. The women that you met in the grief group come to be people that no, were... I met Sandy through MSTH. Now MSTH, when when they get new members, they will connect you with other moms in your area. So um, it's Sandy Walker Tangerdini. She's my my cohort. <laughs> Her and I are I we're like this. We're such a, a good team. <laughs> I wish she was here because she's she's so much better at the the. You the know. talking part? Not the talking. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm more the heart. <laughs> I cry and I... Oh, yeah. yeah like, well, but did, you she, did great at the region. Well, yeah, but I was crying. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was kind of embarrassing. But um, she, you know, she can talk like she's talking about, like, rational. She's very rational and she, she knows the science of it and the... Hmm. She's very educated on it. But, um, so any, it's just sticking with the grief thing. Any advice? Obviously, communication's huge. You, you know, you, you it is connection. It, you connection. Keeping it a secret, even from the from the kids who, I mean, I, they're young still, the kids, right? Yeah, he was the oldest, and then his two brothers. They were close. I mean, Jonathan was there was. I had three boys, and jo the oldest was four. So they were like, you know, the mm -hmm. three musketeers. My three sons. Mm -hmm. And um, and telling them was, you know, yeah. they had no idea. They thought, right. you know, my big brother, he's he's making it. He's he's gonna be big. He, and yeah. It was so cool seeing Kenny Holt chirp in on one of our posts there the other day. He worked with him. Remember Kenny? He plays in the Maysides. 
I, did he, I miss this? I don't no, know. no, you commented on it. He called him a something bugger or something like that. He's English, so he's a yeah. um, bloke or something. Yeah. He says, I think I remember this guy. Okay, yeah, that was I a while ago. That Prince was like of Wales, yeah. maybe. He, um, he worked Queen's Landing. Queen's Landing, Queen's Landing yeah, because that's uh, where he the was. impact is far and wide. You don't really get the, you know, it's one of my often quoted things is you don't really get the impact of your actions or your offspring or, yeah. or their actions and whatnot. Yeah. So it was pretty cool seeing Kenny come in with his take. He's got a foul mouth and he's just a punk rocker, you know. <laughs> but it's so cool to see him be the same kind of crew as Jonathan's saying, hey, I remember that kid. I have people that knew him from years ago. Like, they're, you know, they'll they'll share a story about him or and th that's sustains me that, mm. you know, to know that he had such an impact on people and they everyone that says the same thing. And of course, they're not going to say, well, he's a bit of a jerk, <laughs> but they, it, it's always a, a wonderful story um, about how wonderful he was, how he was kind. Mm -hmm. I had um, somebody who worked with him in Toronto when he first moved there. So he, he would have, you know, he, even when he was in college, he'd have part time jobs and he worked at this restaurant and he said he, he must have been 18 or 19. So it was right when he went there and he was the cleaner at the restaurant. And um, he said, he said, Jonathan always had time to talk to me or talk about music. He asked about my family. Mm. He goes, he, and, and I thought to myself at the time, this is an amazing young man. Mm. And I don't know, maybe he's just, you know, doing me a, a kindness. But I think Jonathan really did affect a lot of people. He was wonderful. He was amazing. He lit up a room. He was so charismatic. He had a sense of humor unlike any other. Like, he was just amazing. He really was. So what are you working on now? What, what do you think your, your, your role in this has become? And, and I mean, we got all the time. So I know there's lots okay. of little things there to go is. through There's here. a there's lot. Just, there is we a talked lot. about it a little bit on the phone. Well, I mean, you're a friend of mine, so we talk about it not in depth. But even just as we're going like a pre-interview email, I'm going, okay, so just so I'm clear, is this what we're saying? You know, the stigmatization. Uh, names actually stands for Ni Niagara Area Moms Ending Stigma. Right. Okay, so we got that. So we, yeah, we stigma. want we want like, community to realize like these are this is somebody's someone. This could happen to anybody's child. It's not you know. And um, Larry had said this on the the radio. He said you know when when he first came across his radar that he you look at Vancouver and you see that on the streets the downtown east side. And mm -hmm. that was kind of your preconception of what a heroin user or, or a substance user that, you know, that was deep in addiction. That's what they look like. But that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it is in sometimes and and those people deserve respect and dignity and compassion just as much as, you know, uh, the college students and the high school students. Mm -hmm. And um, they're they're all in trouble. These and because we have a poison drug supply. And that's fentanyl and car fentanyl now, even worse. You know, for God's sake, it's an elephant tranquilizer. <laughs> you know, and, and they're adding that in because they're making up to a 400,000% profit. Yeah, it just basically comes yeah. down to greed and well, business, yeah. right? Uh, and uh, oh, uh, that was something else I wanted to mention was uh, Jonathan, the heroin he took that night when, when the toxicology came back. Mm -hmm. It was not heroin. It was 99% fentanyl. 
Yeah, and an, is a Knox kit going to help anybody that's um, yeah, doing it, it well? Fentanyl? I mean, it, it's I I don't know if it depends on you know how long they've been down, right? And there's signs, right? The nodding off, or um, Jonathan mm. had a head injury because he must he must have went right down. He must have you know took his his toke or whatever it was they do, and and mm-hmm. he he fell off that bench onto the ground, and he had a head wound and then down the side of his body abrasions. So, yeah, he went right down. But, yeah, it would have, I think. I think it would have saved him. This little kit that's, you know, that's free for anyone, any shopper's drug mart, and they'll train you. You can walk into a shopper's? Yes, you can walk into any shopper's drug mart, and they will give you one. Also, Positive Living on Queenston Street. Wow. You didn't know that, Jim? Come on now. That's We've been talking cool. about this. <laughs> but well, yeah, that's, I guess, so, why I no, wanted to come and, on. No, it is. And I know? think every every business, every restaurant, every bar, because it, it can, you know, it could happen. It's happening. I told, I told you about, um, you know, my daughter that it had happened at, at her place of work. Yeah? Who's? Right, right in front of the front door. Who? Well, I, I'm not going to go into specifics. Which daughter? Sarah. Oh, okay. Sarah, yeah. So I don't want to go Overdose into specifics. At the door? Yeah, like in front of a restaurant. And with no, uh, obviously, kit available. Well, I, paramedics do. So okay. It, yeah, she didn't. She didn't know what the outcome was, but um. Right. Yeah, I'm guess... just saying. The, but the point is, is that it can happen anywhere. You could be walking down the street and see someone. Donnie went to the bank machine, and there was someone. He said it's someone sleeping in in the alcove in the in the ATM. Mm-hmm. And he comes home. He goes, some guy was sleeping on the floor by the pit. I said, oh. You sure I he said, was sleeping? Donnie, are you sure he was sleeping? Mm-hmm. How do you know he hadn't overdosed? And he, and he just had this look on his face like, oh, yeah. Wow. I said, so. It's an old way of thinking that's going to have to slowly shift for many of us, right? Because, I think so. Know, I think so. I think it really needs to happen. Um, especially, you know, you see the faces of all these kids, and, and there's, they're as young as 13, 14. They could, you know, they start high school, they meet new people. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of these, you know, they have a pill. They say, oh, try this pill. Oh, you got to study for a test, stay up late tonight, try this pill. And you think it's a Xanax or whatever, Percocet. And um, it's fentanyl because they use pill presses. And it's so, it's it's nefarious. It's evil. Right. So... And I know there's no silver bullet for this, no no magic pill. No, it's for so the stigma. But we're, we're working on stigma all, all around. I mean, the I don't more, want to compare the two. Every time we talk about it, it's it, somebody's saying, thinking. You think gee, yeah. that's it's stigmas yeah. ended around communication? I it's I feel the t- I feel the tide turning. I really do because um, as we educate people, you know, they it's. Uh, it seems that, that so, more people are, are realizing that. You think a conversation like this just picked up by somebody that's not connected, that may, might not even have a son or a daughter yet, might that might shift something in them. So when they're faced with it, God forbid, if they ever are faced with it, you think that that, that would make a difference for them? They could, they could think back to a conversation. I think that, so. Yeah? I think okay. so. It's why I talk. I mean, you know, would I rather be at home on my couch? crying and feeling sorry for myself 
probably. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but yeah. I, I feel compelled to, to help other parents realize that it could happen to their kid. And if I could, if I could save, help save lives, that would, that would be so powerful yeah. for me. And, and just. I guess, you know, how can you kind of see through the grief and the sadness and the, and, and there's self, there's all kinds of guilt and I mean the, the emotions I can't even begin to understand them because I don't have a child yet um, but in some way do you think this is all in God's plan if, you, if you're a believer like you you, I, you know to... I'm a believer are we gonna go there I even thought well, to myself oh he's not gonna bring well, up God <laughs> of course you know I'm a believer as I know you are um, I don't know if I believe in fate or a grand plan but and and I hate when someone says something happens for a reason. I hate that trite saying. But if Jonathan's something worthwhile could come from Jonathan's death and it would mean that he would not have died in, in vain, right. that would be just, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it would make it, I'm not going to say easier, but it would make it a valuable. Yeah, and valuable I guess it's thing. impossible to say, well, like, this is why I was put here to, you know, but I do, have a I do feel this is a this. purpose. It's a purpose for me. And my main purpose all my life was to be a mother and to have children. Mm. And I sure did that. Five did of it them. well too. <laughs> <Five of them. laughs> and, and they're all good kids. So, you know, and I just, you know, I always you. lived for them and, and wanted the best for them, obviously. Mm. And, uh, if I could spare other parents from going through this, it would. It would make it a little lighter. Amen. So, what else have we got? Other than the the, uh, the conversations and the communications and the media reports and you know articles and columns and newscasts and, and TV shows, because there's, there's more and more coming all the time. There's gonna right. Be, unfortunately, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Right. Right. This addiction pro- uh, problem. It is the numbers, even in Vancouver, where they're doing all sorts of things, where they have the the, pra- the treatment yeah. centers and the and all these harm reduction workers on the DTS, and um, they're they're still their numbers are increasing. That is scary, mm-hmm. and it's because of an increasingly increasingly poisoned drug supply. I think out out west, it's something like almost eighty percent of the street drugs are tainted with fentanyl. Because they Jeez. test them and whatnot, and it can be in cocaine, it can be in meth, it can be in heroin, and one hit. or pills. Like Enjoy I said, you. the pills—it's bloody yeah, scary. I think, yeah, and for the first time, I think that our our youth, and not even our youth—I mean, everyone uses drugs. I mean, coffee's a drug. I know people don't want to classify it. Well, it's yeah. a stimulant. Uh, Even food is an addiction yeah. for some people. Oh, yeah. like, Sugar, we, every, yeah. Everybody has an addiction to something. Absolutely. And hundreds of them. You know, you really think about it. There's mental addictions, uh, physical addictions, sexual addictions, uh, you know, dependencies yeah. and yeah. that don't, you know, classically qualify. So, <clears throat> unfortunately, it seems like it's got to be um, – it's got to get worse before we can get a grip on it. But there's addictions. I mean, we're struggling with addictions all around different drugs. Yes, and this that, is, that's now, nothing new. No. But what is new is this the poison drug supply. And, and also that's why it's... The knowledge that kids and users everywhere of all ages are thinking one hit can kill you. 
and if you're not sure and i talk to guys you know that's right that say well if i feel like i'm sitting around and somebody else has done one and they haven't fallen on the floor already then then i'm okay you know what that's not necessarily the case because um what they do is you know if in a basement somewhere some creep is <laughs> shouldn't say that right but anyways he's he's mixing his stuff on the table and he's adding the fentanyl in and there's going to be a hot spot there's going to be a spot that has a bigger percentage or a, but for job is 99 percent. that's pretty mm-hmm. greedy it is it's greed it's all for love of money right mm-hmm. so other than the conversations and everything we just mentioned what else do you see around the stigmatization that we can do to help or that you think will will be part of the process of getting uh, people well, to a point where they're okay talking about it they're okay talking to their kids about it they're okay i mean you're not going to stop kids from being kids but the stigmatization has well, to be a well huge first problem, of right? all the war on drugs has been an abysmal failure hmm. we we can all see that right like you can't just um, we can't arrest our way out of this problem. There, a kid has, you know, a little bit of a bag of weed and, and in jail. Like, come on. And then when he goes to jail, he meets a lot more exactly. of the criminal. Exactly. He comes out of there and he's... He's, uh, he's worse than when he went Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, um... That, we, that's we actual fact. Once I've you even put come... good people with bad people, they turn bad. They don't make the bad people good. That's Duh. right. That's right. <laughs> And when I first, when this first happened, I was so angry. I was angry. I was directing my anger at the person who sold him these drugs that, the that night. And, I, you know, I did my homework and I, I investigated. And, and, you know, between me and a couple other people, we kind of figured out who he was with that night and all that. Really? But I'm past that. I, they, you know, that, but that's that just, that's just somewhat, up. not only that, that person's not to blame. The, it, the way it works most of the time is that person will sell to you one night and then you'll sell to him the next night. They just mm. selling their stuff to, to, to support their own habit. And, but it's higher up, it's higher up that, you know, is mixing this crap in mm-hmm. that kills. So again, what do you think else is surrounding the stigmatization of the, the problem that we might help us get off it other than, just is that it we just need to talk and education and um, more well, conversations obviously you know we need to have changes in our community i think a, a safe injection site would be should be in every community whether it's a, a, a static site or a mobile site in kamloops where my son lives my middle son he um they have an rv that goes around and there's a nurse on there and and a mental health worker and and, you know, they just connect with the community. It's proven that if, if there's a connection and they feel that, you know, someone actually cares because uh, some people are homeless, right? They're, they think the world doesn't care about them. Mm. And, and we do have some good agencies in, in this area. You know, there's Positive Living, there's Casson, um Community Addiction Service of Niagara, uh, we we do have them, but it's just a matter of figuring out how we can help these people when they ask for it. We can't have waiting lists. Waiting lists kill. Waiting someone for goes what? for mental health. health? Or oh, well, mental health or addiction, um, and they're often you know they're often tied together. It's um, that's a fact, and um, 
I just, you know, and, and not a lot of families are able to shell out $10,000 to send their kid to rehab and rehab isn't always effective. In fact, it's quite often not. In fact, it can often be the most dangerous thing that you they do can meet because more addicts. Well, get more people. To well, that out. they can make connections there, or they they get out and you know they've been clean now. They so detox harder than they ever did before. So yeah, it's oh you know what I was so good. I'm I'm gonna have one myself. last hurrah. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? That their tolerance is down. They're they're susceptible to mm-hmm. to overdose. And how's the safe injection sites? help from a standpoint of i mean if you got bad drugs you're just gonna die at the safe injection site no they don't oh no do, do they uh, offer testing and stuff i now? have been to moss park but and did i read in a club can... the other day that they were saying bring your it was that a joke where they said bring your stuff by and we'll test it to make sure you're okay oh that's Is that a thing? that's a thing testing clubs oh at a club um i would hope so because I, I think so. that's just a scam to bring your stuff over so we can figure out who's got the good stuff. You know what I mean? But is that actually a thing? Yeah, I heard that somewhere. Well, it I wasn't should sure be a it... thing. When you want to know if you were a substance user, when you want to know if there's fentanyl in it. Wow. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, you have to wonder, though, sometimes. I mean, so back some to of them, the... even if they knew, they'd probably still do it. But you'd be more careful, right? Safe injection sites then. So. I have been to Moss Park a couple times. And what a beautiful thing. And I mean, you know, the people that live, a lot of the people in the neighborhood there, they they obviously hate it, right? They think, oh, you know, just let them die or, or things like that, right? But um, the connection and the just compassion and the caring that is there is is amazing. It's There's something special about it. It's, oh, no. And, I think it, I, I remember hearing about this because I just picture it as a big room where a bunch of people are, you know, whipping out their needles and doing drugs. But you actually, there's a process. You go through the doors and you get hit by support workers, right? Yes. There's there's volunteers and they're all volunteers. They're doing this. Them, that's an unsanctioned site. So it's, um, they're Moss volunteers. Moss Park is where? Oh, West? Um, Toronto. Okay. It's on, um, Get to Queen Street, maybe, oh, but it's right. anyways, so it's, yeah. it's um, it's beautiful to see. And some of the, the, the people are just you know, they're just they love the connection. You, they go there, they have a snack, they hang out a little bit after they 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 do whatever. And there's an and there's a, a one tent for um injection and another one for smoking. They're smoking is- crack because. This is like an outdoor park. And then there's a chill tent. Yes, it is. And people come by with donations of food, pizza, whatnot. Wow. And and it, it just it just puts that idea in their head. Oh, somebody actually cares about us. Because uh, yeah, the and most lonely huge, thing in the because, world is being a, a, you know, an addicted drug addict. And probably. even worse, homeless. Some of them are homeless, right? Mm. So it's sad. It's sad, but it's beautiful to see people volunteering their time and their service to other people that are Okay, so what's available at the site other than a safe place to get high and to chill? And then there's, you know, you have volunteer support workers that are there, obviously, for some level of counseling or or kinship or Um, or Kinship, connection, because you just know that. A connection is could be the difference between someone just giving up and saying, oh, you know, at right. this, my life sucks, and who cares about me? Well, guess what? And Somebody does care. 
And obviously at a, at a, a safe injection site, you're probably closer to an addiction counselor than you are anywhere. Right. They, they, they can um, guide them in the right direction if they, they, but they, you know, they, they need to want, want it for themselves. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I think connection helps with that where they, they think, you know, maybe because, you know, I'm sure some of them How are do like, we sell I don't that even to the small communities around the country. It's a that... tough sell. Like, it's right, a tough sell. Understandably so. SIS in your backyard. And people are like, what? I know. It's... But but you know what? Centennial Gardens in St. Catharines, there's needles there all the time. So it, it well, will actually help protect our residents because they won't, you know. The needles aren't going to be just discarded on the sidewalk. Did you? Would you want to be in a park and your kid hitting up, picking up a, a dirty needle? Did you hear the guy on the radio yesterday? Yeah, I saw he that. Jammed yeah. a kid. He fishing with his kid on some river, and uh, wow. he goes, "Daddy, you got a needle? Yep, a bent needle sticking out of his." <clears throat> Can you imagine? <clears throat> Can the you kid's imagine? The kid's going through um, HIV treatment. Yeah. So I. Uh, what's it? HIV and what was the uh, hepatitis? How scary is that? I don't know. I forget how old the kid was, but he's young, and that those H, uh, HIV um, like protection or you know pre like just uh, it's like um, if you're at risk, if you don't know, it's not right. Like they're treating right. you for HIV. It's just it's preventative. Like prevent exactly. That's where. Thank you. Um, they ruin most adults' health system. You know, so I can't even. You know, somebody said, but I can't even imagine what what a child would be. Uh, on that but uh um i mean it seems like the more the problem uh worsens the more needles we're going to find around safe injection sites or not uh, it's not going to stop them from being everywhere um but again there's you no know, the stigmatization around the uh, sis the, the, as well as there's all, but the biggest thing, thing is is keeping people alive we don't want people dying it, it's it's um it's a small thing. Like they're monitored there. And, and I mean, there's still going to be the users that use in their home that are hiding in shame in their home. Mm -hmm. But, um, <clears throat> I think, you know, it's, it's something that's necessary just to keep people alive until they can get treatment because of the poison drug supply. And I'll keep saying that poison drug supply, poison drug supply. It's mm. a nightmare. Yeah. And when the greed is involved, there's not much, I mean, it's just, it's a profit taking from criminals, basically. It and is. I guess it's that leads so to evil. the next thing, uh, removing the criminal element. I mean, and we're seeing this with weed now. What a joke. Like, please, you're not yeah. going to remove the criminal element by selling it in LCBO stores with high fucking taxes on it. And, I know. You know like, I know. Stupid. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> proper legalization. How does that go down when we're talking? And, you know, well, as it, a Green Party a, it's candidate. It's a tough sell. It's a tough sell. I've been talking about that legalize all drugs so they're uh, regulated. So you're taking the power illegal... away from the, the these people. Because two grains of salt of fentanyl can kill you. Two grains of salt added to your whatever. The side, there's, you mm. know, there's a, the little vial and there's two grains of salt in there. That's how much fentanyl. Are you taking that? on as well legalization regulation yes yes we education. are yes we are and how does that look what's the logistics of taking on the well, government you, with a thing like heroin when it was mentioned to um, most people you say justin well, trudeau he was he was having none of it but um 
I mean, we hope. I the NDP, Jagmeet Singh, he's he's all for it. Legalize all drugs. I think I heard him say that. He did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you look to Portugal, and um, you know it they re- they drastically reduce their deaths by decriminalizing. And there's a difference between legalizing and decriminalizing. Amen. I'm glad you brought right? that up. So they, they decriminalized and they're just in Portugal? Yes. And they're even seeing results from that? Oh, huge. So it, even if you went a step further into legalization, I guess then you put the then you put the government in the drug business. I mean, so to what a certain it, extent they are already. Yeah, so what it is is, um, you know, a, a doctor would, would give you like an opioid replacement therapy. Right. And um, you can slowly wean yourself because Jonathan is that you know, just he, methadone, or there, is there other? And Jody Emery's been talking about this for a no, long time. No, not just methadone. In fact, the, the the whole methadone it needs to be revamped. It's it's um, methadone screws you up too. I mean, it, it seems like it it's become like a, a business now. Like it's you know they're lined up around the block, and just like a you know. That an assembly line of so methadone, if I understand it, is that the blocker? So if you do meth, don't ask methadone, me the science of it yeah, because okay. I just don't know. I think it reduces your high so that if you do get high, it kind of block. You, you don't get the. But it, the system is so open to abuse, and mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it's it. I had a buddy on methadone, and he was gray for two years, and he beat it, the dragon. That's it, what, and the, I know someone that it worked too. Um, but I, I also have heard of many that abuse that system and, you know, they, they stand- learn how to, to go around it and be able to have a couple days of the week where they can get their fix. And then, you know, so they, they, and some, uh, pee some will clean. Be on methadone for the rest of their life. Well, it seems like they don't care because it's like a business to them, but yeah, that's right. Hmm. I, and that's not what we want. Like, I mean, it, it is good for some people and of course we still need it. There's, you know. But um, there's there's other there's other things and there's um, well, well like I said, know. Jody Emery and I don't know the science behind it either, and I'm not you know certainly I've been you know an advocate for the industrial use of hemp and you know obviously the you know talking about the legalization all through my campaigns as a Green Party candidate that's their take is legalize it all even the hard drugs yeah recreational or not put well, it in a safe place pr- sounds pretty radical doesn't it yeah a regulated and supply sure, and, and i mean education two years ago i would have said what that's just crazy yeah and if we actually started putting the money from these like the taxes that are obviously going to be on the you know or the profits on these drugs if we started putting these towards resources towards you know st- frontline staff that's that right when you walk in the door they're like hey you want to get clean today or you want to yeah. like is today the day yeah. you're gonna say fuck this? And I want to get take clean. them right in. You put your arm around them, and and you know they see mm. they see a, a psychologist, or, and they see a, a nurse, and they work on a plan right then because they mm. want to get mm. clean then. But an hour if they walk out the door and they're on a waiting list, an hour by then they're gonna be seeking yeah. out their dealer and getting their their fix. You back in it. So legalization, regulation, education kind of seems to go all hand in hand, and the financial the revenues from them again you know we don't really treat our taxes that way in this country they well in the long the... run it will save you money i mean look at this you know they, oh absolutely. these could be um look at jonathan he was high functioning he was working 60 sometimes 70 hours a week and still you know living that life it's probably why he was at risk he wasn't you know obviously he wasn't strung out all day he was working 
all the time. So it was, it's, it's pretty common in the kitchens because of their, you know, their, their hours. They oh. eat, they they work till there's bars in these fancy restaurants and they work till one thirty one one thirty and then they go to the bar and it's only last call. Well, then they still want to party, right? Mm. So, um, yeah, I I I don't know. It's just there's so many <laughs> so many and things that, that what, could change. What we call the industry is probably a little bit more susceptible to it because I they're already so, in yeah. the drug business. Yeah, I've as far heard as it, alcohol. and I know of I know of several moms in the groups that you know their sons were chefs or worked in kitchens mm. and. We also talked a little bit about a multi-treatment. Yeah, they, they have one in Guelph. What's that? Um, rapid access no, treatment. Well, it's the multi, what's that uh, well, logistically look like? It would, it would have, you know, it would have mental health care, um, help for um, finding housing, like all of it under one Addiction roof. Um, even like, oh, um, you know, so you community connection where, you know, they could, they could just come together and, and, um, and then of course the opioid replacement therapy where they could get clean. What are they drugs. using for that? What's that? What, what are they, what are they substituting for? Uh, well, there's for a perks few. Or heroin or whatever they're using well um there's the vivitrol suboxone okay um there's These one and i don't even know how to pronounce this one Buf- buffinephrine i don't know it starts with a b b okay. u that's right. another one but there's they're 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 all you know some doctors will will use them do you know that. anything about them like not a lot i really don't that's where i have sandy at my side uh, okay. she knows all this well, stuff maybe she can we'll just get her on another time but I, i'm wondering if it's mimicking the high though um, there's, the addictive... you know what, there's, there's, I'm pretty sure some of them there are that, that don't give you a high, but they, what they do they is take they the take over. that debilitating withdrawal symptoms. Oh. And that's, that's huge. That's what, that's why it's so hard to kick heroin is because of the debilitating. And Jonathan talked about that with me. He said, you know, and he would, he was, Christine Crashing. would tell me how sick he was on it. And she couldn't stand it. She couldn't stand seeing him sick like that. So she'd take him to get more because it just, you know, and she told it for him and tried to just dole it out in small bits. She tried so hard, you know. Wow. I guess there's a whole lot of education we can do around that. Yeah. Mm. And we talked about housing options briefly there, too. Some of these people are, are homeless as well. Yes. I mean, yeah. Even here in St. Catharines, I mean, you know, it's it's um, a lot of people close their eyes or they they never in those neighborhoods. But that Gail Crescent, I I when I drive Donnie to work, we drive down there, so I see it all the time. And there's sex trade workers and homeless people, and the Start Me Up is right there. They can go in for a, a, a hot breakfast, mm. and yeah. So what's the latest campaign? Which one? The letter writing campaign. Oh, MSTH started that out west. Oh, okay. So when so we saw just... it in the group, we're like, oh, well, we're going to get right on that. And so what, what it is, is um, this week, because it's, it's uh, National Addiction Week, um, Justin Trudeau is going to be getting a lot of envelopes in the mail. <laughs> and the beauty is Canada, Co- Canada Post is going to be saying, what the hell's going on this week? Because you don't have to pay postage, right? So oh, oh, no, it's, it's all free the... postage. And it's a picture because really the, a picture says a thousand words. 
it does. It's um, <coughs> it's putting a face to this. Um, and you know they're just be all these beautiful kids. Most of them young men. It's it's a lot. Most oh, of them are so young. Oh, you're. It's a letter writing campaign <coughs> where you're sending in pictures. Of uh, the pictures, and then on the back of it, you write their birth date, their death date, the cause. With in Jonathan's case, I call it um, accidental fentanyl poisoning. Mm-hmm. Which you know, I I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe just fentanyl poisoning. I should have put because accidental. Well, it's not accidental when someone's putting ninety nine percent. You know, <laughs> someone somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, and then you um you can write like a hashtag um like um, on the front and you draw a purple heart, mm-hmm. a purple heart, and then um somebody someone on front, and then um. You write who they were to you on the back of the picture, and um, you know there's stop the deaths, do something now, Mr. Prime Minister. Um, you can make up. I made up mine up. I personalized it. <laughs> no, about Jonathan. <laughs> we just want him to step up because you know he doesn't even. It's like it's off his radar. He really hasn't. He's gone really out of his trying way to. He he doesn't really even acknowledge it. He doesn't. He he just, you know, he talks about other things and it seems like this is just something he wished would just go away on its own. Well, that is not, not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like he, even Donald Trump called a national emergency. Even Donald Trump. Come on, Justin Trudeau. You want to be less than him? Come on. Yeah, the shiny pony's getting uh, old fast. Uh, I just and yeah, yeah. I mean, this is politics. We, we really can't trust them to do anything other than what makes them more reelectable the next time around, and that's just the I way know. our system is set up with uh, first past the post and and the the whole idea of you know the number one rule in politics is acquire and and maintain power, and that's the, that's the game. And so uh, it's almost like they got together back in the day and said, oh, I got an idea. You guys call yourself the liberals. We'll call ourselves the conservatives and we'll stay in power forever. But we'll just do the same thing all the time. Yeah. We'll just continue to raise taxes and screw the elector. Uh, well, can we electorate? just stop? Maybe, maybe you could ask. We could just ask everybody <laughs> to vote NDP because. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know it's it'd be tough to get them in, but wouldn't it be? The NDP has got a long tradition of going away from things that they've promised too. So it's almost like the system is corrupted to a I point know. where um, you can't get them to, uh, you know, to make good on their contract because the contract is what they put out there to be elected. It's called an election platform. That's basically the contract with the people and the people that vote for them. That's their end of the contract. Right. And then when they get to, once they get in with you a majority, see my eyes glazing over. Yeah, well, once they get in with a majority government, there's nobody to hold them to account because they don't have strong opposition, and that's why I'm opposed to majority governments because if you have minority governments, oh, minorities definitely better. I know it can that. fall at I any time much. because you can be taken down at any time. And so, you know, uh, you know, a perfect example of when Stephen Harper was in power, he had to buy the NDP off because Jack Layton had a list of all these socialist things that he wanted. So to stay in power. He had to write a big fat. He was the most socialist prime minister ever, Stephen Harper, because he had to pay the NDP off to keep him in power. So that, you know, when we talk about root causes, 
everything's got a root cause, right? And when we talk about drug abuse and mental addiction, there's root causes that you would never think about, like electoral reform. Again, your eyes mm -hmm. glaze over. You're just like 95% mm -hmm. of the people. That, I know. I just, that, yeah. That, that I talk to about important issues. Every time I've run an election, I hope I, I, I never run in another one, but I, I see this need um, to help educate people and, and just like to tell people, you know, help people understand that there's root causes to everything. And mm -hmm. you think your life sucks? Well, sometimes the root causes are our electoral system, you know, mm -hmm. and you can see it here. So, uh, you know, the electoral system is a root cause of every problem that we face today. I'm not saying it's the major one here because, I mean, obviously, mental issues come into it. Mm -hmm. um, alienation come into it, right? This this feeling of hopelessness, mm -hmm. like the drug is your only friend. Right. I mean, Jonathan had lots of friends, so that wasn't his case. Sometimes it's just a, a, a bad decision. Where you go, yeah, sure, why not? I'll take yeah. a hit. Never thinking that well, you're going to need another one and another one and another one. You're going to be out for the Let's, um, let's look at a hypothetical um, situation. So a young man who's, um, you know, 18, 19 years old gets busted with a bag of weed. Mm -hmm. And maybe he has um, some little baggies on him. So he's going to get charged with trafficking, right? Mm -hmm. And he gets a little jail stint. Well, now he has a drug charge, so he can't go over the border. He's going to have a hard time getting a job. And that that sort of thing for weed, which is now going to be legal. Okay, so that's going to be Well, they're different. saying, but he, he, hey, when we get to July but 1st and it's not legal, it could ruin his either. whole life. Mm -hmm. The next thing you know, he's doing harder drugs. And, and Not to mention the introdu introduction to the crime element. You, you do hard time in a in the don yeah, jail that is are you kidding yeah. me like that it's like hell on earth i've never been there i've heard uh don jail is not a great place to go and there's probably a lot it's nothing no. against you know toronto or whatever i, all I wonder how many how many um overdoses there are in jails too like if you, well, you never hear about those. we don't know because we don't hear we don't even like they they um i saw um a graph a graphic and i posted it about um calls overdose calls in the region and between 2016 and 2017, the numbers are just skyrocketing. So that that's scary, you know. Like that's, um, but but they don't. The, oh, the deaths. Well, we don't have that data yet. It's always we don't have that data yet. Well, maybe you should. Maybe what does it take to to get that data out to the public so they know how many young people have died? I hear about it quite often because you know I have so many kids who are young adults and oh my friend told me that their friend or oh someone I work with said his it said that um his cousin died of an overdose like it's 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 really really is out there and unless it strikes you you don't it's not on your radar and um that needs to change we all need to to realize that it could happen to our kids so thank you to the Facebook crowd for your comments coming in. If you have any questions, Jennifer Johnson, just hit them up. I just Googled solving the opioid epidemic. Uh, first thing that comes up here, and I put news. Uh, and um, chronic pain, obviously. People have chronic pain, so we need better painkillers or, or what? I don't well, know. Well, a study just came out that... Um, Advil and acetaminophen are just as effective as, you know, a, a Percocet. Because you can, um, 
A, a kid fact, gets his Percocet wisdom teeth out at age 16 and oh. he's prescribed opioids? Are you kidding yeah. Advil, me? Advil, Advil, Come on. And you know what? Perks don't Could actually... Could be destroying his whole life with that one prescription. Perks don't help back pain, uh, don't help oral pain. Um, it's the, uh, for me, it's uh, the ibuprofen. Me too. Yeah, headaches. I, I had, um, like that. I have a say, de degenerative disc and sciatica. And they, oh, yeah. they gave me Oxycontin. This was many yeah, years it ago. Help. No, it just made me stupid and say <laughs> stupid stuff. So I, I just, I just took ibuprofen and, yeah. and you know, I managed it. I did stretches and, and that. And, and maybe there's subsided. education there. Yeah, my back was uh, totaled. I, I mean, like you know, when you, I don't know if you know, but my mother used to put her back out, and you can't do anything. You're it is a horrible. It's a horrible like a, pain. And oh yeah, and you're hot. You're you're uh, immobilized. So that anything you do is super slow and whatever. So, um, and I, I've got perks from my doctor. I don't like taking them that much, but, and I've had leftover painkillers from when I had my, um, kidney stone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I heard that's worse for men than women. Oh, like unbelievable. Uh, I started walking and you know, I, I'm like, okay, if there's one thing I'm going to do, I'll just going to, you know, I'll do a half an hour, three quarters an hour. And, one, you know, one day I did two and a half hours. It was way, I bit off way more than I could chew. Mm -hmm. But a couple months later, what do you know? But we don't have, have the time and the discipline and the, and the wherewithal. Uh, the second, uh, number two here, could virtual reality solve the opioid epidemic? Okay, I don't <laughs> Never even, even heard of know. That no, no, I, okay. <laughs> Acupuncture is the third one. I don't know anything about that. Uh, acupuncture for pain. Okay, ancient medicine may hold the key to solving. And now the next one, Trump declares opioid crisis a public health emergency. But it falls on deaf ears. Yeah, what did they have? $56, $56 in the bank account yeah. or something. $56, I forget. It's just the beginning, the declaration. So maybe maybe Trudeau needs to do... Well, what Trump's done, you know, uh, so uh, when um when I had Alicia, so the SARS, it was the SARS epidemic, and it was called an emergency. And I mean, SARS was like this. Yeah, it lasted about five minutes. SARS exactly, and there was maybe forty something deaths. Yeah, and we contained it immediately. We've had we had in two thousand sixteen almost you know like three thousand deaths. And it, it, those numbers are you wait till the final numbers come out for two thousand seventeen. So how can you justify not calling this? And I guess the rationale is that, well, because it's, it's not going to end. But it could end. Decriminalization. Mm. Let's say it again. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. And that's, that's a long road. I don't, I don't know. How I know. You, it's I, a I real. That letter writing campaigns are going to, like, I mean, there's, there's obviously strength in numbers. So... You know, and you've got your own little local group here, and then there's, you know, what do you call it? ST? MSTH, Mom Stop the Harm. Yeah, I remember when I saw that on here, I'm like, I'm like, hey, there's some hurricane. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, so, do we need to all come together somehow to form a bigger group or a lobby well, group? I mean, and the what you got working against you is. You don't have resources. You don't have money. There you don't is, have lobbyists. There is an opioid network committee. And when we presented in September at regional council, it had been already been in the works for over a year. But they hadn't had their first meeting yet. So it's tomorrow. 
And there's four parts. There's harm reduction. There's any anyway. So that'll be tomorrow. Um, and we're going. You're attending that. San Diego. Is that open committee? Public I don't health meeting? think so. It's so would you get a special invite to it? Yeah, yeah. And they they had originally just wanted one of us. But I said, oh, can Sandy come too? <laughs> She's much better at verbalizing what needs to be done. She's a firecracker. Hmm. Yeah, small package. <laughs> and uh, I went to the group, and the group's called Niagara Area Moms Ending Stigma Names. Right, and so, you, you more than doubled our numbers yesterday, Jim. Well, I didn't really, and you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Sandy was like, what? I didn't know what I was what doing. Now? I just invited a few people that I thought would be, um, I don't want to say sympathetic, but understanding. But Interested. I yeah, supportive. Right, right, right. So I I couldn't share the group because it was closed. Now it's open. Well, and yeah, I Donnie it went in there and, yeah. you know, did his yeah. Donnie thing. <laughs> yeah. And so, but these, Noah, Scott, John, Jonathan, the, Jenna, Jana. That was the five of us. That was the picture we brought to regional council. I mean, and it, it had an impact. I could tell. Um, we were going to bring all this information printed out and all that. And then we just decided, oh, you know yeah, what? Let's, this is why we're here. Let's just bring it. I know they're beautiful pictures. Who's, uh, is it Sandy? I think I, Sandy, yeah. her son is Scott. What a beautiful picture. Yeah. Like, I mean, and to think, like, I'm like, oh, she's got a really good looking kid there, but he's gone. Like, that's yeah. the. Yeah. Like, I, again, I have. And no what about Jaina, 19 years old? Beautiful girl. Her I didn't mom, her mo her and her mom is just a, a, a beautiful lady. Phone, and Noah, Noah, he, you know, How, such yeah, a sweetheart. Just young. None of them. And so anyway, over 30. I, I went to the group and I started, I thought it was inviting people so that they could say, yes, join. Or, well, we had to. It. We have to approve it, right? And well, yeah, Sandy said, "I get that." And then Sandy one of my says, friends, "We've got thirty new, new people. What's going on?" Yeah, well, she's at work. Uh, <laughs> well, it was dumb, I said, dumb. "Oh, Jim." Sorry, Donnie. guys. I added you. You know when people add you to the group, and you're like, "Fuck that!" Yeah. Add me to some group, and yeah. and then I'm going to get notifications coming out the hoo ha. But it's not. We don't. There's not a lot. It's not a lot of posts. I noticed. That. It's yeah. So a friend of mine said yesterday. He, he he sent me a message. Said, "Hey, what's this group you added me to?" I'm like, "Oh, bro, sorry, I didn't I didn't know I was adding people." And then I went back and looked at the members list. I'm like, "So sorry, don't." I'm like, but you know, most of the people I pick, and I could probably go through and add a, add a bunch more. But you know, I I hate getting added to a group right. without being asked. Well, they but can I yeah, they was, can leave if they want. Like, yeah, it's, oh yeah, but <laughs> we won't I, be offended. I thought it was inviting people only, so I, that's how I increased your numbers uh, uh, unknowingly. Even I don't budget. know. Don't ask me how it works. I've got <laughs> I've got a Donnie, so I kind of you know I just kind of let him <laughs> deal with any techie stuff. <laughs> yeah, I've got a Donnie. Uh, so back to the Knox kits. Yeah. What's, uh, that's such a great thing. So I think, uh, I mean, the everyone ten, ten should. Minute, 10, 15 minute training session and you're good to go and you can oh, save you a life. Oh, you got to get trained on it while you're at well, Shroppers? Well, just so you just know what you're you? doing. Um, this one's the nasal, the, in, the inject, injectable one is. Like, I'm going to go get one. I, like, um, I don't feel like you never know. Of course. Like, and I got a I flat mean, tire the other day, and I said my my truck, so my car sat at the 
at the plaza all weekend because I didn't know they had a can that you just go to this. And it fills your tire up with gunk and gets you to the next place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still I running. I, I was like calling <laughs> Labor Day weekend. I'm calling my buddies. I'm going, hey, uh, oh, no, we're down for the weekend. I go, okay, I guess my car is going to be here for the weekend. No CAA. I call my friend. He goes, uh, dude, yeah, I'll come. I'll bring the compressor and I'll bring a, 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 a bottle of that, that gunk. Tire goo or gunk, yeah. I'm like, well, what goo? I didn't even know. So, like, everyone should have one in their car because my car doesn't have a spare. Like most cars do. I can't believe Why that some people might even say, oh, what is that? I can't believe it. It's like, well, in my free. world, right? It's like we've been talking about it for so long. But, yeah, it, it needs to be. The more out there, the better. So what a gift to be able to save someone's life. Everyone should just, like, it's free. Why yeah, not just give roll them, maybe into give shoppers them and put it in your car? There's so many fa um, maybe aspects to this that we could used to publicize it you know what i mean because i don't know that the letter writing campaign is going to you know change justin trudeau's mind much i don't know that your group no matter how big it gets unless it's got money behind it and i don't know where the money comes from i mean because these anything that gets changed is related to big revenues and lobby groups and and big business and unfortunately that's the way politics is is kind of run these days so these these groups that are more important, these social advocacy groups of, you know, stopping kids from, like, falling down dead because Grassroots of Grassroots organizations. Yeah, they, they have no money. Well, well let's, so, look, let's so, look, look at an example. Remember MAD, Mothers Against Drug Drivers? They're still around. They're probably well-funded. And, and they got laws changed. Mm-hmm. They, they're much stiffer penalties came in for people that were mm. driving under the influence. Yeah. They, cha they changed policy. Yeah. And it's a little bit, yeah, you're right. A little bit different as far as, you know, the animal that you're hunting. I know, but. I know, and that's the tough sell. But um, that's stigma. That's because of mm -hmm. stigma. So we're breaking it down. We're chipping away at that wall. So if stigma. nothing else, everyone should just drop into Shoppers Drug Mart and pick one of these up and put it, get two if you can. Yeah. You should have one in your house. Yeah. You should have won it. You, you can't probably... really keep them in a cold car. Oh, you they can't? don't know. They can't. That's a good point to, to oh, okay. make. They shouldn't be kept in a cold car. I keep mine in my purse. Donnie, um, I sometimes I'll I'll send it to him. To I should get two and just have him have his own because he where he works at. Um, sometimes he sees needles well, in downtown. the back. Yeah, because it's downtown. He he sees needles in that. Downtown so. seems to be a hub for this type of activity too. For the uh, or is it just any open park will do or. I don't know. I like think I think it could be found. Needles could be found in any park. Yeah, find them yeah. on the beach, on the yeah. far end of the yeah. north end of St. Catharines. It's sad. It really is. Hmm. It's every time I, you know, I see a needle. Um, my sister saw one at the gas station parking lot the other day. Imagine. So, anyways, yeah. Every time I see one, I think, oh, geez, you know, that person could have died injecting that. Hmm. Poison into their and veins. it doesn't even need to be just injecting either. It doesn't matter how you're. No, that's it. right. Jonathan did not use needles, and that was another thing about the cops, the police in Toronto. That they they told me that he had. When I talked to them, they told me he had a needle on him, and so I didn't. I didn't get the police report. I just could. I could only take small increments of information 
upon me because it was just too much, right? Mm-hmm. So I waited over a year to even send out for the police report. Okay. I still haven't sent for the autopsy. I may never send for it. Mm. But so for 18 months, because it, it, it came pretty well the week of the 18 month since mm-hmm. he'd passed, I thought he'd broken a promise to me because we talked and I guess we thought he would be safer if he didn't. Cause, and he said, I just smoke it. I don't, I don't ever inject it. And he goes, I hate needles. I won't ever use them. So I thought he broke that promise to me. He promised me. He goes, oh, don't worry, Mom. I won't use needles. So for 18 months, I thought my son broke that promise to me. It could, the police need to be more sensitive to families. Well, why? And that goes back to this John Doe thing. Oh, What's it's unbelievable. Well, okay. it's in the news now because yesterday there was the interview about that, that one out. BC a month. What's what's the thing? Why John Doe for so long? I I can't even fathom how it's so insensitive. It's a, and I suffered for that, you know. Okay, as let's a mother. Rewind. Let's rewind back. Okay, okay, so let's let's go let's back. Tell the story of. I just I suffered greatly because I felt like you treated my son like a piece of garbage. I still suffer because of it, you know? It's awful. And he wasn't a piece of garbage. He was wonderful. (laughs) I knew this would happen at some point. (laughs) And I'll be fine in a few moments. And I just, it it really bothers me that, that they didn't see him as someone worthy of notifying the family. And for two days, I walked around like nothing, you know? Hmm. And he was dead in the morgue, unidentified. And there's no excuse because he had a health card. And then when when they... So that's the part I they don't were, understand. They were pretty angry at me when I called them out on that in um, the dialogue, which is the George Brown. And there was the next day after the article, he updated it with a rebuttal from them. And, a, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, oh, it's unfortunate she feels that way. And from, from my speaking to the officers, that was not the case at all. They did not devalue his life. And um, and due to the, the, the commonness of the name and fuck off, honestly, really? Because his name was common. We lived, we've lived in the same house for 23 years. And they couldn't find us with government issue ID. <coughs> I call bullshit. Okay, so why? What is it? Just insensitivity? What do you think the cops are just giving a fuck <sighs> you to the parenting, saying, you know what, you're a bad parent, you deserve this kind of shit? Like, he was the okay. Why does when a kid I look that's back, got ID lay in a morgue for two days without somebody? I looked when I look back. I um I I remember the conversation of course it was that you know it was a friday that we found out the early morning you mean found out when the cops when somebody got a hold of you and said well what it was my my ex he jonathan's dad he lives in hamilton right Mm -hmm. so he drove there and he found out oh okay so him and and him and his girl him and his girlfriend no they didn't they just they came right to me because they knew they had to tell me, right? No, so but how did Don find out? The police came to outside. They they waited for five five hours outside of Jonathan's apartment for them to come. Oh. 
so he drove to tell me and Bonnie called me. That's his girlfriend. She called me and she said, we're going to be there in five minutes. And I knew, right? Oh, and I'm like, why? And she, and I could hear Don in the background, hang up now. Because oh, they wanted to fuck. tell me in person, right? And, and Donnie, no Donnie, of course. Oh, Jennifer, it could just be. I said, oh, oh, I just know, right? Donnie, and I, oh, he's so Yeah, that was the <laughs> longest five minutes of my life. Oh, my God. I can't And, uh, you know, it, my world just crashed around me. And my family's just, mm. you know, forever changed now. But yeah. but it, it, it hurts that they they didn't contact us. And I know if it had been a car accident or if he'd had, a, a, you know, a asthma attack and died that they would have contacted us so and you don't even know what it is then like i'm asking you like you got the secret i, like you know I wish it. i knew because it doesn't make any sense to me and when i lie in bed at night awake that's the things that torture me is things like that mm. because it's unfair and you it know, doesn't need to be that way no it doesn't and if anything so I mean, that's why I talk about it. Like yeah, because if anything, I talk about it because I don't want it to be done. It's clearly still going on because it's just, you know, there's another story. Same thing. A month, a whole month. Drug overdose. Yeah, it was a young girl. Missing so it clearly is still going on mm. and it needs to stop right now. Because even if you can't value that person's life, think about their family. Mm-hmm. Like I suffer for that. I suffer thinking that, you know, and when I, when I did talk to the police and I remember every detail, like they can, whatever, whatever they say. But he, when, when I told him that Jonathan was a chef and he goes, Oh, where did he work? And I told him origin restaurant just down the street from where he was found. He was like shocked. Oh, like all surprised. How dare you be surprised? Really? Well, I think that's uh, they just see so much of it, you know. I know, and, they, and I know they're. Um, I know I try to look at it from their point of view, and their jobs are pretty, you know, get pretty shitty, mm. and they see a lot of crap. But I just I would like there to be sensitivity training for the police. I really think they need to think bigger. I think they need to think of the bigger picture and of how that impacts family because I suffered greatly because of it. I really did. And if there's anything that you can help with, you're not going to change the addiction process overnight. You're not going to help, you know, you're going to make a small dent in the number of addicts or the the fentanyl or whatever. But if there's one thing, I mean, and that seems to be one of the most traumatic things for you is the fact that you didn't know for so long. I mean, maybe that's where you can make a a difference from the standpoint. If you think it's stigmatism, then maybe... Uh, Jane Doe doesn't have to lay in the morgue for 30 days while her family pulls their fucking hair out looking for her because, and again, isn't that did, awful? Does she Is have it, ID on her too or no? Yes. Okay. It, it's, um, yeah, I didn't see the story. You told me about it when you first got here today and it breaks my heart it's, because there's a radio interview and it's on, on, I saw it on Facebook and, and, um, it's, it's just awful. So, you know, for privacy issues, I probably shouldn't be telling about someone else's story, but it's, you know, it's just, it brought it back for me because I, I can imagine two days was bad enough for me, but a month, I just can't even fathom that. Like, Mm. and I know how much she'll suffer for it, that mother Mm. and the family. Well, thank you. 
so much for coming in. I know it's we didn't talk about education oh, in schools. We can, we can. Hey, I got all the time. We didn't talk about education I thought, in schools. I thought, I thought we we're running out of topics, so let's hit it. Well, it, it just came to me, which so that was, that was Jonathan in my. Because I don't want to just that be sitting Jonathan here with that air looking at you know we, my friend. We would <laughs> like to speak in schools. We would like to talk to kids as young as you know grade six or seven before they get to high school and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the say no to drugs doesn't work, but Sounds how like about Reagan. the how about the say no to drugs doesn't work, but how about the you might die if you try a drug? That might work a little better. Mm. But and to see the faces of, of you know the faces of this epidemic. And so I think there needs to be a, a blitz, an education blitz in the schools. I think it's integral. Agreed. Um, I'm not sure that, I mean, it doesn't matter how drastic the message gets. We're human, right? I know. We're going to make bad choices. We're going to do things we regret. But educated. And we're going to take chances, especially before. A bit forewarned and, you know, maybe to be more careful and not just take an unknown pill from someone. Like it's, you know. And there have been cases where a young person in grade nine is, you know, has died because of one pill. Yeah, and responsibility is something we don't teach very well in school either. So you're going to a party, stop by a shoppers and get a knock kit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we should have them. I, I can't, I'm, I'm blown away that they're, I mean, at almost, you know, I want to see the, the evil end of the big business and say, well, of course they're giving them away free. They won't get shoppers in there. I, I can't imagine how much an ox kit costs. It's I think it's between forty five and fifty dollars. So that's a significant goodwill gesture that Choppers well, has taken go- on. Just it's giving the government. Them away the government's finding while it. Subsidizing yeah. It. But hmm. it, it's and and uh, I'm sure there's other places you can get them. To, oh, I know Positive Living has them. And but um, yeah, it's, it's um. Naloxone kits, safe injection site, decriminalization, education in schools. Those are the biggies. Mental health. Yeah. Oh, yes, because it's, it's very but we, close we to already Hit on that. Peer support we talked about because that comes in with the multi-tier treatment centers. Yeah, um, I, th- I, I really do think that is a great thing. We didn't really talk about it, but I wrote it to you yesterday and that, that um, you know, recovered addicts. It's like, it's like um, you know, just having someone that understands and knows where you are and that can kind of mentor you. So if if, this, if mm. they came in for treatment and um, they could be connected with someone who, who could, you know, mentor them. Uh, kind of like in, in AA where you have a sponsor, right? Mm-hmm. A sponsor. But, um, yeah, 12-step treatment doesn't work for this very often like na i mean it, it, it's good for support and and that but uh jonathan went and and he he did go he he went to i think he went to one meeting anyways because he told me about it but um hmm. you can't just you know it's, it's not like it's not as easy as and i'm sure Stopping drinking is difficult too, but this is an actual chemical change in their brain, right? Yeah, and different drugs have different withdrawal symptoms, mm-hmm. and um, you know they talk about how 
um, harmless the nicotine withdrawal is and how quickly it leaves your system. You sleep a night, you almost have no nicotine in your system when you wake up. Heroin, different. You withdraw for days from heroin. It's, I understand. It's I mean, horrible I've, I've never symptoms. taken heroin. Horrible heroin symptoms. One of, the, one of the drugs I haven't tried. Yeah, it's um, it's like it's been described as the worst flu you could ever imagine. Just mm-hmm. yeah, it's awful. And then so maybe you know there's dope sick they call it. Dope sick. You know, Jody Emery's been talking a lot about how cannabis and uh, I did you see the one I posted yesterday about Ra, uh, Ra, um, is his name? I think Riley Cote. Uh, Riley Cote's a um, a former Philadelphia Flyer tough guy who's an enforcer, um, and he came on my show a couple times when I was at the station. Uh, it was just a really good interview. Uh, born in Winnipeg, Canadian kid, uh, grew up. Went to school and uh, played hockey down in the States. Married an American girl. Beautiful family. Just, he's ripped. Like his body, he's in better shape now than he ever was when he played in the NHL. And he's become an advocate for the legalizing hemp, industrial hemp. And, and just the, you know, just getting your EFAs in you every day can change the chemical balance mm-hmm. and, and, and guard you from depression and all kinds of diseases. Mm-hmm. You know, for, you know, I've been talking about hemp oil and yeah, hemp seeds yeah. and hemp hearts for years. But he posted something the other day how CBD's got this guy off opioids. And he was he, chronic pain, right? He's a fighter. I don't know if he was a boxer or MMA. I, I've, seen, I've heard before, too, that, that I should have um, tagged you in the post. Some people but, uh, CBD's. And Jody uh, well, Did Emery. you say it was a hockey player? Well, Kylie, uh, Riley Cote is a hockey player. He posted it. Okay. Um, gotcha. Let's see if I can find it here. And this guy was uh, either a boxer or an MMA fighter and, and opi- uh, addicted to opioids and how uh, CBD, cannabis oil, which isn't even, doesn't even get you high. That's, that's right. Bass Rootin knows what's up, hemp heels. Champion and champion MMA fighter reveals how CBD helped him knock out opioids. It's an HP. Oh, maybe it's. Anyone that watches professional fighting on a regular basis, you can definitely appreciate the violence by uh, the uh, fighter's body's going through. Oxycodone. He's rebounding from oxycodone. In a recent blog post, Rutten shares his story of a heavyweight fighter, Mark Herr, who became addicted to, oh, maybe it wasn't him, he became addicted to opioids in order to mask the pain of fighting. I've seen before hashtag, that CBD helps. Hashtag help. love CBD. It restored my energy, strength, endurance. I heard my kisses are almost are also much softer. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and, and Jody Emery's been talking about it. Obviously, you know her between her and her husband doing jail time and being consist- consistently prosecuted for openly selling one of the most harmless drugs known to man, uh, cannabis, um, is is cr- uh, like constantly tweeting about how this is one of the secrets to getting off 
the opioids. I think I think it is too. I think it it's, it's could be used for so many things, like you said, like mental health. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, um, doctors need to embrace it more. They need uh, yet yeah, uh, someone who has cancer and is undergoing chemo. It can help them with their appetite, mm-hmm. the nausea. It, it's um, it can help so many things. I believe thing that, that too. The only thing that would make my mother sleep or brought her uh, appetite back was the weed cookies that my cousin mm-hmm. crafted up with some butter. Yeah. And uh, but um, it's not to be treated lightly. That stuff when you eat it, man, it's a totally different buzz, a totally different chemical. Actually, once your liver processes it. It's a, it's psychedelic like THC is not. Uh, THC obviously psychoactive, but the, uh, this stuff will fuck mm-hmm. you right up. Well, and the, if the you drink CBD it, though, right? Like you yeah, said, you no, don't even get high from no it, so it'd be like. So if they could have you know some sort of medical grade. I think it, it it's probably coming now that you know that they're going to be buying weed at the LCBO. Oh yeah, what a joke. <laughs> All right, so how do people get a hold of you? Where do you want to send people for that are struggling for referral? Uh, well, we're on, on Facebook, uh, the Names Group. Magra, yeah, Names, N-A-M-E-S. You type in Names, all caps, it'll probably come up, but the Niagara, and then it says right in the title, Niagara mm-hmm. Area Moms Ending Stigma. You can join that group. Uh, I can get a hold of you on Facebook as well. That's right, Jennifer and then, Johnston. Any other advice, recommendations, support you want to put out there to the people that are going to be watching and listening to this? I don't know. I may think of something later, but for now, I think we've we've covered a lot of topics. Well, thanks for coming in. I love you, especially for for doing this. It's uh, I know it's I can't even can't even imagine how. uh, I mean, I was at the funeral. It was. uh, as beautiful as something like that can be. But yeah, there was I, a lot of people there, a lot more than we were I know, expecting. I know only just, you know, from losing my mother, it's like that whole week for you is probably maybe two weeks. It's just like a complete blur where you it, don't I guess maybe like you're, there's a numbness. And, and they say about grief that um, talk about be, being you're stupid. numb and you're, uh, yeah. I couldn't but even then the second year is worse, eh, because the reality sets in and. <clears throat> and I believe that to be true. I find the second year is pretty grueling. It's like it's like okay, there's no denying this anymore. There's no, you know, always oh, mm. in Toronto. He's just gonna come home for the holidays. It's just not gonna happen. Yeah. All, you've gone through all those firsts, and now you're into the seconds, and you just can't deny it. Your brain can't deny it. No. All right, go to shoppers. Pick up your naloxone. Alone is naloxone. 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 They're free. Pick them up. Take them home. Take them to work. Get a hold of Jennifer Johnson in the group of names. Niagara Area Moms Ending Stigma. Jim, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. All right. And I have to go over here and turn it off. My dad's like, don't you have someone to do that? Your dad's sweet. I'll leave that on the table.